Uh, today, um, this proclamation, uh, I will not miss Christ in Christmas. Uh, that's, a, that's a great proclamation. I think that's the kind of the focal point of the season for us here, uh, is to make sure that we don't miss Christ in Christmas. I was reading an article the other day, and it was about some sports teams, I think, and they were discussing how, uh, like last year, Christmas was on Sunday, and this year, Christmas Eve is on Sunday. And so you had all these football games and these teams traveling, and the quote was, make sure in the midst of all your traveling, don't miss Christmas. I thought, that's pretty good. And one of the players said, uh, no game is worth missing Christmas for. So I got to thinking about all that. Um, is it possible to miss Christmas? I mean, Christmas is the most advertised, commercialized holiday in the world, uh, bar none. I mean, nothing else comes close to the amount of attention that Christmas gets. Uh, Around here, we give it a whole month, some more than that. It's the most anticipated holiday, holiday, the most celebrated. I mean, you would think it would be hard to miss Christmas in the face of Christmas decorations, lighting, parties, Christmas cards, Christmas carols, Christmas hymns, Christmas gifts, Christmas shopping, Christmas carols, Christmas plays and pageants and parties, and on and on. How in the world could you miss Christmas? We're bombarded with it on TV and specials and advertisement. Is it really possible to miss Christmas? And the answer is yes, it is. Uh, you can miss Christmas for the same reasons that Christians all around the world have missed it. Uh, there are reasons that they missed it that first Christmas. Uh, sometimes people just don't fully get it. Uh, they don't really benefit from it. They don't understand the blessing of it. Um, so I, I just want to talk about that, give you kind of just some highlights of how it was missed that first time and how we can kind of continue to miss it. So I'll give you uh, some ideas about how Christmas is missed, and then we'll look at some ways that we can avoid doing that. Uh, the first one is uh, why people often miss Christmas is, number one, busyness. Busyness. Busyness is the first reason, and that's the reason... Uh, that the innkeeper missed it uh, in the very first Christmas. I mean, you know the story. Um, Mary is pregnant, and Joseph is with her, and they're uh, going to their hometown of Bethlehem. They live in Nazareth in Israel, and they have to go to their hometown. This is a tiny little town where they're going to get involved in a census for taxation with the Roman government. When they get there, they, as they get to Bethlehem, Mary's in labor, her water breaks, and she's ready to deliver. And Joseph tried to check her into the Holiday Inn, and they didn't have any room there. No vacancies. They're all filled up. Uh, just kidding about that. You know, it's just a, uh, just a little guest room there. You know, um, but when it's time to have the baby, it's time to have the baby, right? We've had like three babies born around here uh, through church families just in the last little while. It's so exciting. Uh, uh, and uh, enjoy, just enjoying the grandparents and the parents that are there. Mary is, uh, is ready to have her baby. The Bible tells us, so Mary gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger. Now, if you don't know what a manger is, it's an old English word for a feeding trough. I mean, in your barn, maybe when you were growing up, they might have used a bucket or a basket or a, a box that they would have put cow or donkeys food in for them to eat. Um, 
So we, we can recognize that, the way the livestock were taken care of. So Mary lays her baby in this manger, nothing fancy, just a feed box. And it's, uh, I mean, that's about as humble as your birth can get. Uh, and she places him in a manger, and the scripture says in verse 7, because there was no room for them in the inn. Um, you know, everything is, everybody, everything is crowded. Everything, there's people from in town, out-of-towners in town for the census. Everything is booked up. And this innkeeper uh, doesn't really care. You know, he, the Bible doesn't make him mean. We kind of make him mean or like. Uh, but he just didn't have any use for them. I mean, it's busy. Uh, I mean, he's probably happy, right? I mean, his business is going good. I mean, everybody's filling up his place. Um, I mean, you know, he missed out, though. I mean, he could have put one of them. He could have had a sign made, Son of God born here. <laughs> I mean, he'd have been filled up all the time. Would have been a, like a tourist attraction or something. Uh, he missed out, though. Uh, God was coming in human form, and he could have been a part of that, uh, but he missed it because he was busy with business. Are, are you too busy with business and activities to make room for Jesus? Uh, I really appreciate you making time to come here this morning. It, it says uh, I'm making time for God, making time for Christ. Uh, so we don't get so busy that everything else gets all wrapped up in the, the stuff that's going on, making no room for Jesus. That's the first reason that people missed that, him that first Christmas. Second reason, uh, we'll call this one uh, familiarity. Familiarity. Um, Familiarity means um, that you're so familiar with the Christmas story that it doesn't inspire you anymore. Uh, it doesn't cause you to have any awe. It doesn't amaze you. You heard it before. You celebrated Christmas all your life, and you know the story of Mary and Joseph and the baby Jesus, and you know about the shepherds and the wise men, and you know about the angels singing glory to God in the highest. I mean, you know, you've been there. You've done that. I know the story. Uh, I got all these traditions. You know, we get a, sometimes people get a little jaded. A little bored, lack enthusiasm. Really, you know, I, when I first say Merry Christmas to people, you know, like a, a month out, I always hear this, oh, <laughs> like, oh, yeah, it, it's here. Uh, you can get familiar with the story that it doesn't amaze you anymore. You can miss the beauty uh, that you think you understand. But that's a mistake, the mistake of familiarity. It's a mistake that the people made that first Christmas. Those that made it were the religious leaders. You know, it's interesting to me that when God comes to earth in human form, the Son of God being born, not one single pastor was invited. No priest, no religious people, none of them, they, they didn't get invited. They weren't invited to the celebration. They all missed it. The Bible tells us that the wise men from the east, wherever that is, uh, they saw this star, and actually... Um, they were, they were a long ways away, and they looked up, and they knew about the prophecies, and they knew the Savior of the world was going to be born, but they didn't know where. Uh, so these guys come. We call them wise men. All we know is that they were scholars, and they studied the stars, and they paid attention, and when they saw something unusual, they said, let's go check that out. That's why they were wise men. They went and checked out the Savior, what God was up to. So the wise men take this long journey. They arrive in Jerusalem. They go and they ask for a meeting with the king, King Herod, because um, they, they want to know where this child is born. He has a meeting with them. They walk in, and the first question they ask is, where is the Savior of the world? 
Where's the Messiah, the anointed one, the Son of God? Where is this baby to be born? Herod doesn't have the slightest idea. He doesn't know, so he invites some religious people, some scholars around him, and I tell you, they knew right away. They didn't have to say, we'll get back to you in a few weeks so we can go study this. No, they knew right away. They knew about Micah 5 too. They quoted it right away. They knew they were very familiar with this story, but they were unconcerned about it. They're talking about it. They're debating about it. So we got these foreign dignitaries that come along from a distance. They come all the way to Israel, and they ask for this meeting, and the scholars tell them, oh, we have all the information that you need. Uh, None of the religious scholars, though, cared enough to even go to Bethlehem. You know how far Bethlehem was away? Six miles. A walk to the river from here. That's how close he was. They they wouldn't even go those six miles to check it out for themselves. That's called being jaded. That your heart is not right. It's apathetic. It's unconcerned. Familiarity, the lack of curiosity, the lack of awe. Uh, You know, that can happen to us who've gone to church our whole life. Yes, right? We go to church our whole life. We know all the stories. Um, you know, we've been to all the Christmas plays. I mean, we heard the Christmas story over and over again. And, you know, the, the centuries, they've been waiting for this Savior. They had debated it. They had talked about it. But, you know, Jesus came. Jesus came. Didn't, he didn't come just for religious people. He didn't come to make you more religious. I mean, really, I could care less about religion. You know, I've taken all these world religion classes and all this stuff. I'm not into religion. I'm into Jesus. In the relationship with Jesus. In fact, he came to be exactly the opposite of religion. He didn't come to make a bunch of rules and regulations. I mean, he gives guidance and commands to us. But what he really wants is have a relationship with you. That you have a close relationship with Jesus. God with us. So that we could get to know him. So what happened over those centuries that they had been waiting for this Savior to come. You know what they did? They made more and more traditions. And so they had all these traditions, and they were celebrating all these different things. That sound familiar to you? I mean, we got all these, you know, we, keep, we add on to Christmas. So we, we got Santa Claus, and we got Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, and we got Frosty the Snowman, and we've got Elf on the Shelf. <laughs> what do we do? We just add these new traditions, right? You're with me, aren't you? I mean, we add all this stuff in, and you just kind of pile it along and say, well, let's make this tradition, let's make this tradition. Now, I'm not against any of that. I'm just telling you, that's not what Christmas was all about. We had ways to celebrate with our family, but the, what difference does all that make? The difference is that what Christ came to do will change your life for the rest of your life and for all eternity. All these other things... Uh, we just kind of get wrapped up in them. I mean, a lot of intelligent people will celebrate Christmas and not have very much thought at all about why it really is is happening. Isn't that true? You you work with them. You you see them maybe in your family. So sometimes we just don't get it. We miss Christmas because of busyness, uh, familiarity. Uh, There's one more. Why a lot of people miss Christmas is um, fear. See, there was, there was no big headline or what was going to happen. You know, uh, people, people actually miss Christmas sometimes because of fear. Um, you know, the, the way you see fear here is not only not the innkeeper or the religious people, but Herod. Herod was crazy. 
Herod was the king of Israel. He was actually a Roman citizen, uh, but he wasn't Jewish. He had come in and overtaken the city, and he was to be the king of the Jews. The background of Herod is that he was paranoid. He was killing people that he was afraid of. And when the wise men show up, uh, when the wise men show up, where's the baby that's born king of the Jews? Oh, he couldn't sleep after that. He had to figure out what's going on. You know, he's recognizing that there's something that's coming against him. So these wise men come along. And so, you know, the Bible tells us in an attempt to kind of wipe out all the babies that he had babies under two in Bethlehem murdered. I mean, he was odd. He was strange. Now, see, we don't have that kind of fear. That's not us. But a lot of people are afraid to commit their lives to Jesus Christ. They, they think things like, I'll lose my freedom. Or I can't do the things I want to do. Or I'm going to lose my fun. Or, or maybe they think, I don't want to be one of those fanatics. <laughs> see, when you invite Christ into your life, he doesn't make you more religious. He makes you more human. You're really more human when you come to know Christ because that's what really living is about. It's having a heart that's right with God. Not, when you're not connected to your Savior, to the Creator who made you. See, you were made by God. Every one of us in this room, everybody in the world, made by God for God. And until we understand that, we, um, we try to find life in making money and having fun and doing things and position and pleasure and uh, all those things, status. Um, you know, but we try to fill that void that's in us. He created you with that void in there. And if you try to find other stuff to fill it, you will never be satisfied, never be fulfilled. The only reason you're alive today is that God made you to love him. He wants you to learn to love him. Uh, I, love, I, love, I love this little play so much because this is nothing but pure love for God when you watch these kids. Man, they, they get it. I cried a bunch sitting over there last night. It just touched me so much to see them. Uh, that's, that he, we don't have Herod mentality. Uh, 1 Timothy 6 says, Some people have missed the most important thing. They don't know God. So you can throw all kind of other stuff in there. So how do you miss Christmas? Busy, familiar, fearful, apathetic, unconcerned. Because if you really open your life to Christ, then he comes in. Now, how do, how do we respond to that? I'll give you a couple ideas. Um, you know, thinking about the kids today, you know, when, uh, when you're a kid, they teach you uh, some formulas about how to deal with things. Like, uh, did they ever teach you about stop, drop, and roll? Yeah. Yeah, that means like if your clothes catch on fire, stop, drop, and roll, and put the fire out. Well, I'm not going to say stop, drop, and roll, but let's say uh, stop, look, and listen. That's another good one. When you're going to cross the street, stop look and listen, pay attention. So uh, these are some ways not to miss Christmas. Number one, how not to miss Christmas to how to say I'm not, I will not miss Christmas, Christ in Christmas this year. Number one, stop. Stop filling my life with less important things. Stop filling my life with less important things. Uh, Psalm 39 verse 6 says, all man's busy rushing ends in nothing. He heaps up riches for someone else to spend. <laughs> He's talking about the pace of life. 
uh, just accumulating things. We talk about being in the rat race. Well, human beings created by God were never intended to be in the rat race, for sure. Uh, what's the antidote? The antidote is to be careful about our running and to slow down. Uh, Psalm 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. Be still. Chill out. Settle down. Calm down. Don't just be hurried and worried. When you're hurried and worried, stop filling your life with unimportant things and let those things that are going to crowd God out, let them be pushed to the side. Uh, we can be just like the, the, shepherd, the innkeeper, right? No room. No room for him. You know, um, God chose to reveal his son, first of all, to the shepherds. You know, don't you wonder why? Why them? You know, he didn't invent TV so it could be there. I mean, they're, they're, the, the reason I think he revealed it to the shepherd is they weren't doing anything else. <laughs> they weren't too busy. I mean, what are you going to do? It's nighttime. You're out watching the sheep. And unless some kind of predator is coming along, you're pretty much just, just trying to stay awake, right? I mean, what are they doing? They're doing nothing. Could they go to Bethlehem? Certainly. They have anything else to do. They, they didn't say, oh, I got three parties this week. I'm not going to have time for that. Nope. They received it. You know, God always speaks to people that are listening. Stop. Look. Um, we listen to God. If you don't have time for Him, Christmas is not going to be very good. You're going to be so busy. But today we're here to quiet ourselves and to listen to God and to say, I'm going to put my trust in Him. One of the verses I had there for you was uh, Proverbs 10, 27. Reverence for God adds hours to each day. Do you know that verse was in the Bible? Reverence for God adds hours to each day. I really love that. Um, basically, it means that if you need more time, give time to God and he'll, feel, he'll help you have more time. So whatever you need in your life, you give that to God and his, he blesses you back. Like uh, I say, if, uh, it's a good thing to give, to give money to the kingdom of God. Because if you need money yourself, you give money to the kingdom and God gives money back to you. You believe that? that that's the way it works. Is we, we give of ourselves to him and he gives back to us. I preached Wednesday night about this gift exchange. You know, you give God your worst and he turns around and gives you his best. <laughs> that's pretty awesome. Uh, he takes care of us. So um, we stop. We look. What does look mean? Look means that we are uh, looking at what Christmas really means. You, you look closely at why uh, Jesus came. Um, these, these wise men came, and they made an effort to look uh, for Jesus. Uh, remember what Herod said? He didn't even realize what he was saying. He said, go and make a careful search for the child. That's what God says to us at Christmas. Make sure you understand what it means to be a wise person. Uh, what it means to put your trust in God, uh, you know, recognizing what God wants you to do. You know, when uh, I've had, um, like, big spiritual moments in my life, you know, it's like, um, like when I first got saved, and that was great. You know, but I remember it wasn't like I had, you know, this big quiver in my stomach or something, you know. It's, uh, you know, there were no angels singing, no, you know, it, I just knelt at this altar and gave my life to Christ. Um, you know, I, I, when I 
chose to hear his voice about being called to preach. You know, there's a lot of people in the room, but I'm sitting by myself. And, you know, there was no handwriting on the wall or something. You know, nothing. You're looking at me. Um, It's kind of like this. Um, We got these first-time, one-week married people right there. Hello, Matt. Uh, um, I remember uh, when we got married, we had our wedding, and we were exhausted. Like, uh, just exhausted. So, I wake up the first day, and I said, you know, I'm tired. I don't really feel married. She said, you are a big boy. You, you, can, you can count on it. I said, what's it supposed to feel like? You know, but as, as things went along, and we were um, beginning our life together, and, you know, uh, uh, about a weekend, I said, okay, I think I'm feeling it. It's pretty good. She says, well, I'm happy for you. You know, so, you know what I'm talking about? So, no, you don't get some kind of big, just be like, if you accept Christ today, the trumpet player's not going to show up. And, you know. Nope. It's like a change that happens in your heart, right? You decide that I, I've been walking like this way, and I've been thinking about things this way, but I'm changing my mind. I'm realizing why this baby came. I realize what God is doing. And even if nobody applauds, you know in your heart, I'm going a new direction. I'm not living like that anymore. And I'm giving my life to Christ. See, that's, how, that's what it means to be saved. To celebrate what God is doing in your heart, but to realize it, take, it takes some time. You start walking with Him, and you start feeling more and more married. And you start feeling more and more in love with Jesus. You know what I'm talking about? That's what could happen to you today. I don't know where you are today, but in just a couple of moments, I'm going to ask you if you'd make that kind of commitment to Christ. Don't walk out of here without getting it right. Don't walk out of here without looking and knowing this is why he came. This is what, man, enjoy all those other celebrations and all that, but you got to get this one. You got to get that. Stop, look, uh, listen. Listen is the last one. Listen to the good news of Christmas. Listen to the good news of Christmas. Listen to what God has to say uh, to you, how he is speaking to you. The good news is that Christ has come for us. Don't be afraid of the good news. The Bible says it. I bring you good news of great joy, he said. Why would anybody be afraid of that? The angel said, fear not. What's the good news? The good news is that Jesus said, I have come so that you may have life and have it to the fullest to the fullest. You know why Jesus came. He came to give you life. He came to make you alive. He didn't come so that you could just live your life in all this struggle and strife and pain and lack of purpose and not knowing what to do. He's your purpose. He created you with great purpose. Most people aren't really living. A lot of the people, I mean, I'm walking in Walgreens, I'm looking at all these people in there, and I'm just thinking, I wonder how many of these people in here. I mean, there's 25 people in there, and I wonder how many of these people know Christ? You know, I don't know. I can't tell, but I know that a lot of people are just existing, just kind of making their way. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn it, but to save the world through him. You know, I'm convinced he came as a baby because nobody's scared of babies. Well, not nobody, but maybe new daddy or, you know, I don't know how that... um, 
You know, that's, that's what it's all about. Knowing that we don't have to be afraid that he has come to us, that he wants to save us, and he wants us to understand what the good news is all about. So busyness, if I'm too busy, uh, indifferent, maybe just uh, so familiar with the story. Uh, when, I'm, when I'm so familiar with it, I heard it all my life, maybe I'm not applying it uh, to my life the way God wants me to be. Am I fearful about the changes that he wants to make in me? You know, Herod's problem was that Herod wanted to be in control. He wanted to control everything. That might be your problem. Maybe you don't give your life fully to Christ because you don't want him to be in full control. Even as a believer, we can, we can be guilty of that, right? Just nod your head, it's all right. We can try to hold on to things so tightly that we're in control and not him in control. So that's, that's our approach, to stop. I make the proclamation, I will not miss Christ in Christmas. I will stop. The Bible says Christ carried the burden of our sins on the cross so that we would stop living for sin and start living for what is right. His wounds heal us. I stop my old way and I walk in the new way. Look. Then I look. The Bible says, let all the world look to me for salvation for I am God and there is no other. Love that verse. Isaiah 45. Then listen. Listen to what God says. Do what God says. Listen uh, to what he is calling us to give, to do, to be. This verse says, listen to what God says. This is the hour to receive God's favor. Today is the day to be saved. Today is the day to be saved. Not tomorrow, not next week, not next year, not 10 years. Why? Because you're not guaranteed 10 years. Who knows? You're not guaranteed next week. Whatever you're going to do, do it now. Because you're not guaranteed tomorrow and neither am I. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day to trust Him with your life. So, um, got your gifts bought, got your little list happening. You know, I'm, I'm sure all the women in here are working on it. Guys are, you know, we wait to Christmas Eve for it. But, um, so, yeah, I'm sure you're thinking about gifts. But I'd like to ask you, what are you going to do? What will you give Jesus? He's the birthday boy anyway. What do you give Jesus? You're going to give gifts to everybody else? What are you going to give him? You say, well, I don't know. What do you give a God that has everything? You give him the one thing he doesn't have. What Jesus does not have is he doesn't have your love unless you give it to him. He doesn't have your trust unless you give it to him. He doesn't have your life unless you give it to him. And he's not going to force himself on you. It's a matter of love. He gives his life for you. Will you give your life to him? Last week, I ended the service with this song, but I didn't do it at 9 o'clock because we ran out of time. So I'm going to sing it for you today. But I want you to have a moment, a moment with God. You know, if, you, uh, if you've been busy, calm yourself down. Be still and know that he's your God. Maybe you're all wrapped up in things going on, familiar with the story. Be in awe again. Have, have a moment. I mean, if you're going to have a moment, let's have one in church, right? Let's just have a moment. 
where we draw close to God again. Would you, um, would you before we leave this building today, be closer to God maybe than you've ever been? Have a moment with Him. Love Him. Trust Him. You know, even if you've been walking with Him for 50 years, I've been walking with Him just about that long, but I, I'm getting ready to have a moment as we celebrate Him. And if you're not saved, give your life to Christ. Today's a great day. Don't walk away. I know in a crowd like this that there are some of you in this room that haven't really settled things with God. Nobody's going to come up to you or say anything. I just want you to have that moment in your heart with God when you say, Lord, this makes sense to me. You know, I know about all these other Christmas traditions, but I need to put my trust in you. So this song is your opportunity uh, to do that. We're going to pray a prayer at the very end of this song, but I'd love for you to have a great moment. This song is called Hallelujah Christmas. I heard about this baby boy who's come to earth to bring us joy. And I just want to sing this song to you. It goes like this. The fourth, the fifth, the minor fall and the major lift. With every breath I'm singing hallelujah. 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 couple came to Bethlehem expecting child they searched the inn to find a place for you were coming soon there was no room for them to stay so in a manger filled with hay God's only son was born oh hallelujah hallelujah Shepherds left their flocks by night to see this baby wrapped in light. A host of angels led them all to you. It was just as the angel said, you'll find him in a manger bed. Emmanuel and Savior, hallelujah, hallelujah. Up in the east to Bethlehem, the wise men three came many miles and journeyed long for you. 
and to the place at which you were. Their frankincense and gold and myrrh they gave to you and cried out hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. I know you came to rescue me this baby boy would grow to be a man and one day die for me and you that rugged cross was my cross too still your head, close your eyes. Nobody looking around. Uh, would you testify today? Maybe I've been, been too busy. Maybe I haven't been paying attention. Just all wrapped up in the traditions. But today, I will not miss Christ in Christmas. If you give your heart to him today, would you, would you just raise your hand? Just testify to him. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, all over the place. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, trust him. Deep in your heart, trust him. He's the Savior. He came for you. Lord Jesus, thank you for this, uh, this time together. Hallelujah. Hallelujah for Christmas. Hallelujah for Jesus. Hallelujah for life, for salvation, for hope, for a future. Hallelujah. Jesus, come into this place. Touch every heart. 
I pray especially for a few people in this room that made a new decision because they came to church today. We pray that you would, you would live in us and that, Lord, you would guide our path and that wherever we've been walking in sinful ways, we'll walk in Jesus' ways. And as you work in us, you'll shape us to be wise men and wise women that go out and find the Savior. Give our lives to Him and then live for Him for all eternity. All praise to you, Lord. We praise you together. In Jesus' name, amen.